Lee, I missed you. This is Bill Shatner. I'm so choked with emotion, I'm gonna have to have a drink now. <laughs> Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson, Richard James, and Chris Dale. It's the Jerry Anderson podcast. I thought you were going to sing it. <laughs> I used to, didn't I? Go on. Oh, must I? No, don't worry. It's the Jerry Anderson podcast. That's especially for Earl Black, who used to enjoy mine. He made a list of all the podcasts in which I sang. No. It's the Jerry Anderson podcast. But not only that, but the manner in which I sang it. How, yeah, like, how was he like, classifying you know, that? Sort of, you know, eagerness, uh, length, um, you know, slight sort of, you know, deviation from the tune, that oh. kind of thing, yeah. There you go. Well, well, that's there's a, another one for the list. Throwback. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, it is the Jerry Anderson podcast. Yeah, and that here we are. singing demon over there yeah. uh, is Richard N. James, yeah. best known for his roles in, uh, well, many things. Space sure. Precinct, obviously. Well, for the current audience, yeah, yes. Terrorhawks, mm-hmm. uh, First Action Bureau, mm. uh, Wind in the Willows, oh, yeah, gosh. Wolfman, My Parents Are well, Aliens, uh, Gadabout. Oh. Uh, a yeah. Nicorette advert directed by <laughs> Edgar true. Wright. That's true. I've told you all this in the past. Playing on in a Pizza oh. Hut advert. Uh, more recently yes. in the Scarlet. Uh, I've forgotten the title of it. The, the thing s- that you're in. Oh, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Which I think you can find on the Alibi Channel or something. Or you know, like the streaming you thing. I don't really understand. You see, he's done so much stuff. He's yep. also an author, a podcast host. Yes. Uh, a, a corporate presentation trainer. Oh, well, that's, that's been that's been known. Yes. Yeah. Gosh. I do sound busy, don't I? You are busy. Oh, how do I find time to sit in the garden and just watch the flowers How grow? do you find time to sit here with me? I know, and you're, of course, Jamie Anderson, son of the late, great Jerry Anderson, and late, no, not late, but great in your own way. Certainly not late. <laughs> Wouldn't wish that on you. <laughs> this took a dark turn. <laughs> but may I say, uh, f- uh, forging ahead with, uh, oh gosh, uh, lost uh, Jerry Anderson properties, yes. uh, new ideas, new yes. projects, audio, uh, televisual, uh, video, and, um, you know, kind of books and novels and um, reading mime. material. <laughs> mime and expressive dance. Yeah, absolutely. All uh, of that. And uh, sandwiched between us, two boring pieces of bread yes. podcast hosts. Mm. You're using the sandwich analogy again, I aren't am you? again. Okay. We've got the real filling that everyone enjoys. Sorry, right over there, Chris Dale. Hey, Chris. Hi, Chris. Yes. Hi, guys. Good to see you. And why is he here? Uh, well, he does the randomizer, which oh, is yeah. why he's known as the randomizer, and he's got the randomizer over there. And, he, and uh, In fact, the guest presses a button, Ooh. chooses the random episode, and uh, then Chris says some funny things about it. But he's oh. also, in his own right, a fantastic author, yes. editor, yes. Actor. voice actor, Absolutely. writer, uh, historian, I hate him. archivist. Yes. I mean, he does huge amounts of stuff. He's brilliant. Yes, he is brilliant. Yes, that's right. Uh, yes, yeah, so he'll be along later. And the uh, guest uh, pressing the big red button on the randomizer will be none other than Lee Sullivan. The big red Lee Sullivan. Yes, <laughs> that's right. absolutely. Uh, for the second part of his interview on Jeff Tracy's sofa. On Jeff Tracy's sofa. I just like saying it's it. It's why, but then everyone, like everyone thinks, well, what have why we done? We, Jeff- have we shipped in Jeff Tracy's sofa? <laughs> yeah. uh, is he there back on Tracy Island going, where's my sofa? He could be. Does he actually use it still? Is he going to be sat there one well, day? Well, that opens up whole areas for fan fiction, doesn't it? And headcanon, as I think they call it. Headcanon, why Jeff Tracy would have a sofa in a room in a hotel in Slough. There you go. I mean, I'd watch that. Mm, can't mm. wait. <laughs> 
It's <laughs> screening on Netflix next year. That's it. Uh, also coming up, of course, we've got Fab Facts in just a moment. That's uh, where Jamie flicks through a book of Fab Facts and I shout Fab and we alight on a page and he oh, reads the Fab. Can't wait and, for that. Uh, uh, we sort of take a, a nominal vote on how interesting it may or may not be. Uh, we've also got the Jerry Anderson news because, of course, there's always something new happening in the Jerry Anderson universe. And we've got our wonderful Podstrons. That's you at home. Listeners and viewers, mm. you've been emailing us, podcast at jerryanson.com. And I think we'll be heading on over to YouTube as well to see what they've been commenting beneath some of our videos. Mm. I think that's covered all bases, isn't it? I believe so. There we go. Yeah. Should we do it? Well, now you've covered all the bases. Yeah. Should we cover a fab fact? Let's do it quickly, though. It's fab facts! Now, time for this week's fab facts. It's fab facts. Yeah. My book of fab facts Definitely. is right here. Gorgeous. Uh, Richard James loves it. He loves it so much that, in fact, he can't help himself but to shout fab at least once during the uh, fab fact section. That's right. Weirdly, he often does that while I'm flicking through the pages, and it surprises me so much that yes. it stops me flicking. Oh. And that is the method by which we find our fab fact, but it's I not planned. no idea. It's actually just that's all by chance. That's the process right yeah. there. Hundreds of fab facts all happening by chance. Amazing. So, I mean, you're getting excited, aren't you? Yeah. So you're going to shout fab in a minute, probably. Probably. Well, I'm going to just, I just have a casual flick through the book. So, uh... right. ah, you see, got you. I got you. Gosh. Mm. And that's actually made my thumb quite clammy, clammy. With, yeah. with fright. Okay. Uh, we're very close to the end of the book. Oh, so I see. So, so that's later on in the uh, yeah, chronology. It must be quite recent. Okay. Uh, so, now, Richard, yeah. I'm sure you'll agree, mm. everyone and I mean everyone, right. loves the craft of the Jerry Anderson universe. Oh, yes. By which I mean the vehicles. Yes. Not necessarily. They also love the, the, the craft, craft and the, the method. The Absolutely. Yes, and the technique, yes. Yeah. Well, judging by how many of them uh, gave their name to the series in which they appeared, mm -hmm. so did Dad. Okay. So from Supercar, obviously. Ah, I see. Yeah. To Fireball XL5. Right. To Stingray. Right. And Thunderbirds. Yes. Maybe even at a push, UFO. Okay, so it's like the vehicles are the star, really, of the exactly, show. Exactly, yeah, yeah, starring there. Fair enough. Yeah. It was often, very often the case that the ships sold the series. Yeah. But there's one particular Anderson craft that holds the enviable position yeah. of being a firm fan favourite, while at the same time being the target of a few snarky comments over the years. Get it. Snarky comments from Jerry Anderson fans? Well, not our podstrong. Certainly not. Some other people. We won't hear of it. But can you guess which vehicle it is? Uh, a fan favourite, but also some snarky comments. No, go on, surprise me. It's Officer Romack. No, <laughs> it, yes, it is in fact the ungainly but still somehow quite beautiful and lovely from every angle. Yes, Simone Mendes. That, <laughs> I'm sorry. Thunderbird 2. A Thunderbird 2! Thank you. Yes. Uh, now, Thunderbird 2 has been the subject of many a jibe over the years concerning its girth and its potential lack of airworthiness. Yes. Those are fairly major problems yes. for an aircraft. Yes. Um, of course, I think you'll find that Thunderbird 2 would never actually get off the ground. Right. Um, that yeah. was me sort of doing a light, pernickety fan voice, but without being offensive. Yeah. Did you get that? Is that <laughs> I, right? I picked that up, I didn't yes. want to go too far. No, sure. Um, uh, well, now the true believers among you have an answer. Huh? Yes, it would. Oh. Yeah. It would get uh, off the ground. Now, that is at least as far as the US military is concerned. Uh, I see. Well, December 2022 saw the launch of their latest drone, and it's drawn a few comparisons to a well-known green bear moth. Oh. And like Thunderbird 2, it doesn't even need a runway. Ah, yeah. Okay. Now, the unmanned and very catchily titled, I might say... Go for it. XQ-58A Valkyrie... 
I wish I was a spaceman. <laughs> that sounds a little bit XL5. XQ58A Valkyrie. <laughs> yeah. It's not okay. very catchy. Anyway, sure. it blasts off from an inclined platform before taking flight, so very much like Thunderbird 2. It was unveiled by the US military at their Elgin Air Force Base in Florida in December 2022 yeah. uh, and was pictured taking to the sky and then flying in formation with an F-16C Viper fighter jet. Oh. The Air Force describes the Valkyrie as a low-maintenance, reusable vehicle designed to be used for several missions, but built at a cost that permits it to be a combat loss. Oh, dear. So Don't tell Virgil. I know. Yeah. Poor Virgil. Wow. Um, they explained, this long-range aircraft is runway independent, offering maximum operational flexibility to the warfighter. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Not really international rescue, but the sure. opposite. Yeah. Uh, and with its green colour... Red-tipped tail wings and tapered nose. Oh. From the side, at least, it bears an uncanny resemblance to the most to most people's favourite Thunderbird, Thunderbird Two. Yes, I see. Now, have the top brass out in the US military been watching Thunderbirds? Or shock horror? Does it turn out that Thunderbird 2's design is actually the optimum shape to allow high speeds and agile manoeuvrability? Oh. Take that, TB2 haters. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wow, really heartfelt there at the end, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't like it, take it up with the US military, mate. <laughs> there you go, yeah. I mean, do, do you think they sort of um, uh, paid any heed to the physics of um, you know, flight? And um, Not really, but does it matter? That's I mean, not the point, is it? A, what do they describe it as a lifting body? Now, I'm not sure if Derek Meddings described it as that, but they took inspiration for most of their vehicle designs from real life. You know, they right. were out looking at aircraft magazines and all yeah. the latest tech that was being out there. They were out at the World, World Fair in yeah. uh, New York and beyond, looking at all the latest things that were actually happening in the real world but were still prototypes and taking taking kind of uh, uh, cues from those things. Yeah. So nice. it makes total sense that it might have had a chance to fly, but does it matter? Yes, does Part it of Thunderbirds 2's charm is that it's got the bumblebee aesthetic. I mean, look, no one complains that, you know, Doctor Who's TARDIS is a, a police box-shaped time and space machine that can go anywhere in the universe. No one complains about the, uh, you know, those uh, shots of the Starship Enterprise in the atmosphere of a planet. That yeah. plainly wouldn't happen. Yeah. It's about engaging the imagination, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And future tech that may allow for these things, but even if it doesn't, it's just a bit of fun mm. and they look really cool. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. I approve. Okay, good. Mm, well, me too. Yeah. Uh, if you can think of any other similarities with Anderson Craft and real world stuff, Podstrons, email us podcastjerryanderson.com. But for now, <gasps> that brings us to the end of this week's enormous drone flight fact. Drone. Flight. It's a drone. Flight. Yeah, but it's a drone. <sighs> no? Drone fact, whatever. Drone fact. Uh, you're listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast, believe it or not. We happen to be here every week. So why not drop in on whatever platform you have to listen to your podcasts on or even watch us on YouTube? You can do that. We're here relentlessly. <laughs> so you, you can watch us or listen to us as you so please. Yes. Now, I wonder if anyone out there, do let us know if this is the case. You know, you might be listening to us as you're out walking the dog or doing the hoovering or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And you might come to a part of the podcast where you think, do you know what? I'd like to see what's going on there. So mm. when I get home, I'm going to mm. go to YouTube and I'm going to watch that section. Yes. Let us know if you do that. Yeah. And what you think about it. Or if you start watching us and think, oh, I can't bear this, and go back to listening. <laughs> it's bad enough having to listen to them, let alone see them. Either way, we'd love to know, and um, yes. we'll just we'll cry quietly in the corner. Yes. Again. Again. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time that we had some Jerry Anderson news. I think it is. Do you know what I've really missed saying, though, before we do the handover to other me? I know what's coming. Jerry news, Anderson news, 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 news. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good evening, Podstrons. This is Jamie Anderson coming to you live from San Diego Comic-Con. 
We have a big week of news from Anderson Entertainment, so let's get started. First up, Space Patrol fans, we have exciting news for you. Anderson Entertainment will be releasing the Blu-ray of this classic series by Roberta Lee, which was previously out of print following the sad closure of Network Distributing. This little gem will be back in August with pre-orders available now. And in celebration of this release, we've also put together a short making of video on our YouTube channel, featuring interviews with Arthur Provis and Roberta Lee. In audio news, Stingray, Terrafake, Bible XL5, Cloud of a Billion Lights, and Captain Scarlet, Martian Menace are all shipping right now. These audio dramas and audiobooks come packed in a card sleeve reminiscent of the mini-albums of the 1960s. But for those of you who prefer the digital option, they're also available from BigFinish.com. For comic enthusiasts among you, we're thrilled to announce the Spectrum comic featuring Terrorhawks, Space Precinct, and New Captain Scarlet has been such a hit with fans that a second issue is now in its final week on Kickstarter, so head over there and search for Spectrum to pre-order your copy right now. Coming later this week, we have an exclusive pre-order for a soundtrack CD of Barry Anderson, A Life Uncharted. Music composed, of course, by Anderson alumnus Crispin Morell and introduced by Dad himself on every track. It's sure to take you on an emotive and enlightening journey through his life and career. This weekend, don't miss our summer weekend sale. We're offering 50 items at 50% off, so if you've been eyeing any of our bestsellers, this is the perfect chance for you to grab them. And lastly, we have a special teaser for Terrorhawks fans. We're fast approaching the show's 40th anniversary, as many of you will know, and we have some truly fantastic treats lined up for you, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Well, that's all the news from us this week. For the buzzing floor of San Diego Comic-Con, well, it's over there. I'm Jamie Anderson signing off. Stay tuned for more updates from Anderson Entertainment next week. Back to Richard and Jamie in the studio. That was some lovely news. Lovely news. Thank you, lo- other, other me, lovely me. No, just other me. I don't <laughs> know why so I was saying that. weird. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah. But there's only, that's the only way we can do it. I know, I know, because, of, you know, I, th- I think it's no up, secret. Up minute, exactly. You know, we're recording these a little bit in advance, and we want to give you the, you know, the, the, the very latest yeah. Jerry Anderson. It's all for you, Posterons. Newsy, news, news, news. News, 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 news. It has been oh. a while. Hmm? And you didn't sing. I didn't. I'm getting so confused. It doesn't matter. Let's leave it this week, and I'll you see sure? you next week. You, as long as you remind me. Okay. Yeah, all right. Next time, you sing us out. Yes. What, of the whole podcast? No, just the news. Uh, now, no, coming dear. up a little later, of course, we've got Chris Dale and the amazing randomizer. Amazing, mate. <laughs> it a bit of a Cockney Australian there. It is amazing, though. That's how amazing it is. It's a random episode of the Jerry Anderson oeuvre. I've said it again. <laughs> I've literally never used that word before, and I've used it twice in the space of, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but that's coming up a little later on. But before we get there, I think yes. you should hear from our wonderful podsterons. You sure? Well, they have Don't been emailing. a guest instead? No, no, let's just... get to the guest after the email. All right, fine. Because they have been emailing us at podcast.jerryanson.com and it'd be a shame, you know, to let them down. Okay, well, we should herald their arrival with some sort of voiceover <sighs> moment. This is the voice of the podsterons. There it was. Oh, oh that was good, wasn't it's it? spooky, isn't it? It really it sets spooky. the mood. All right, don't oversell it. But yes, mm. sure. Uh, would you like to take the first? Uh, yes. Go on then. Leah Powell has oh, yeah. been in touch. Mm-hmm. She says, "Hello, Jamie, Richard, and Chris." Hello, Scott. Mm. This is in a previous podcast. Yes, one of the two Scots from ITV Content Services. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, one of those Scots was talking about how the upscaled space precinct effects are better than Red Dwarf, which is true, yeah. but. Red Dwarf was the first show to have one character on screen at the same time, uh, with Rimmer on screen three times. I see, okay. Red Dwarf is the reason that I got back into sci-fi, and Jerry Anderson shows particularly, so that comment kind of hurt. 
Oh, sorry, Leah. Wow. I mean, blame Scott. Yeah, sure. Not, not our doing. All these things are just subjective. We're, of course they are. All we're ever saying is, I like this more yeah. than other things, yeah. or I dislike this thing more yeah. than other things. You don't have to agree. Yeah. It's not absolute. That's right. You can maintain your love of Red Dwarf, and it's great that it got you back into Anderson's. Absolutely right, yeah. So feel free to ignore Scott, and if you would like to make a complaint, you can search Google for ITV content services oh, and address Jenny, them. Don't, 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 don't do that. Please don't no. do that, because those guys are lovely, and they're, yeah. and they're doing some stuff for us right yeah. now. Are they? Yeah, exclusive there. Podcast uh, wasn't exclusive. exclusive. That just slipped out, didn't it? Yeah. What are they doing? Can't put it back in. Why don't you just whisper it to me? Like I can't tell you. Oh, curses. I'll tell you afterwards. Now, you know Jack Phillipson? I do. Yeah. Good old Jack. Well, he's emailed us and said, Dear Jamie. Oh. That's it. Well, that's why I know him, you see. Right. He always writes directly to me. Uh, I can contribute an extra factoid about Jerry Anderson's influence on anime. This again? <laughs> it's rumbling on. Uh, in the 1999 neo-noir mecha series, The Big O, one of the pieces of the original soundtrack entitled Respect sounds a great deal like the theme to UFO. Uh, I think I've heard this. Have it you? does. Does yes, it? Very much so. Ah. Uh, incidentally, the series' main theme sounds a lot like Queen's theme for Flash Gordon. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm sure that the prolific mechanical designer and writer Shoji Kawamori, who, who we spoke about last week, right, who designed the Thunderbird Shadow for Thunderbirds Go, is also a fan. But I haven't seen the Super Dimension Fortress Macross or the Vision of Escaflown yet, so can't comment on how Anderson like his works are. Jack Phillipson, did I say that correctly? I don't know. But I mean, it's we're bound to get an email from Michael House from Tokyo in Japan if I didn't. Yes, so quite right too. We look forward to that. So thank you, Michael. But yeah, I just love how many titles are coming through that we've. We've not heard of. No, absolutely. And it's great to admit that you've not heard of things because we're learning things. It's, yeah. you know, great yeah. cult- cultural, social brain dump going on here, isn't it? <laughs> it's there. Uh, I wonder mm. what the smell was. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, did you want me to do one? Oh, why not? All right. Uh, how about this one from Nicholas Lopez? Okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah, go for it. I said, first, I want to thank you for your extraordinary work. Oh, that's to me, is it? I think it's to all of us. Oh. Uh, in all the podcasts that you do. Yes, it is all I of see. us. I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, this is my contribution about animes that inspire... <laughs> <laughs> you see? We've touched a nerve. About anime that are inspired by or pay tribute to Jerry Anderson. Yes, it, okay. it does really does rumble on. Yes. Oh, and this is one I've tried to say before, and I'm going to say it wrong again. This is great, isn't it? I'm so glad that these are in the script. I'm glad you're reading this one. Uh, there is a series yes. called Patlabor. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Pat, Pat Labour. <laughs> Pat, Pat Labour. <laughs> uh, about a metropolitan police force equipped with robots. Yes, we mentioned this before, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, episode number 44. There are 44 of them, at least. Well, there's at least 44. Yeah. Called Clat Forever. Yeah. We are told about the trip of one of the members of this squadron to New York to participate in a seminar. That sounds a thrilling story. <laughs> this character has an accident in which he hits his head. Oh, we have had this previously. Ah, uh, and from and this moment, dream. what we see is a dream in which everything, absolutely everything, is taken from the Jerry Anderson universe. That's yes, it, yes, right. Nicholas, we have heard this. It's a yeah. beautiful tribute. Uh, as a curiosity, I add that later there is another episode in which one of the characters has a dream. But this time, everything seems to be taken from the universe of the Ultra series. Ultraman, Ultra 7, etc. Okay, wow. So there's huge amounts of inspiration and pastiche and homage and, yes. and, and potentially copy, copyright infringement material. But <laughs> really? it's only done with so much love that nobody's had a go. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he says, I hope this information is useful to you. It because it useful. is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just amazed that the anime thing rumbles on. There's clearly something here. It just leads me on to say, yeah. Potstrons, are you interested in seeing... Thunderbirds 2086. Oh, that, that cool. anime series which sort of spun off from the initial ideas of a thing, proto Terrorhawks thing in Japan, and, oh, yes. 
and ended up being uh, an anime series that was sort of Thunderbirds inspired, but not very Thunderbirdsy at all. Right. Do you want to see it? I mean, are you suggesting that such a thing might be able to well, be seen? It's it's been hidden away for a long time, uh -huh. and I suspect there's a rights issue. But we're getting better and better at clearing rights issues. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested, email us podcast at jerryanson.com, and I will do my best to nudge that along somewhere. Because it would be great to keep this whole anime subject thing rumbling on for another four weeks, wouldn't well, it? <laughs> Clearly, there's Why like not? A, I mean, it's not going to happen in the next four weeks, but yeah. maybe towards the end of the year we can have another four weeks of podcasts where we're just talking about anime. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried because I remember going to a seminar in about 1991 and I fell over and banged my head. Since then, I seem to be living some kind of weird Jerry Anderson dream. Oh, that is very interesting, isn't it? Am I going to wake up at any moment? Uh, well... Leave it to the end of this podcast, never right. mind. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah, all for now. Keep them coming in, though. As I always say, podcast at jerryanderson.com, and either Jamie or I will read them out next time. I will, and you will. Yeah, we will yes. do a joint effort. Absolutely, that's it, yeah. Uh, now, I think our guest may be winging his way towards us. Oh, yes, having slept here for the last seven nights. Yeah, but he's just gone off to the bathroom to freshen up. Oh, I so should I, hope so. I assume, yeah, he's mm. going to come back. Yes, I hope there was some sort of covering on the sofa. Yeah, that explains the tarpaulin, I guess. Right. Uh, so, well, should we welcome him back? Yes. Lee Sullivan just can't keep away from the Jerry Anson podcast. He was with us in the early days and even delighted guests with his drawings at many notable fab lives. And now he's made himself at home on our sofa for part two of our interview. It's Lee Sullivan! Yay! Hey! You again? No, I'm only joking. Uh, Lee Sullivan, welcome back. How was your seven days on the sofa? I'm starting to get a little numb. <laughs> it, as well as can be expected. It's quite quite firm, isn't it, Jeff Tracy's sofa? It is, yes. But then I think, it, I got a f I, are you sure it's Jeff's? Because I feel this is Alan's. Well, Richard tells me over and over again. Is it? It is Jeff's, and he, okay. won't, he won't shut up about it, to be honest. So don't, don't question it. Okay. Uh, now... Lee, last week we covered all sorts of good stuff. Uh, you decided that you were going to be uh, Captain Vanilla Scoop, if I remember. Yes. Which is probably right. the Surprise. most crucial finding from our last episode. Uh, but uh, we're going to touch on all sorts of stuff, including your recent work and stuff you might like to do and how you work and all that sort of stuff. But uh, something rather nice about your first Anderson memory last week when we watched that. Uh, and you've also, I believe, selected your favourite Anderson character. So before we discuss it, why don't we look at the clip? Oh, yes. See who it is. Yes. The aircraft approaching from the east, high 2,500 feet. Speed 7.5 thousand miles per hour. 7.5 thousand miles an hour. Have you gone crazy? London Tower from Thunderbird 1, approaching London Airport height, 2,500 feet. Airspeed, 7.5 thousand miles per hour. We'll be touching down in two minutes. London Tower, this is International Rescue. Fireflash is in trouble and we are equipped to help you. Request permission to land. International rescue? What is this? That must be the aircraft I just picked up. This I must see. International rescue, you are clear to land. Use runway 29. Will not require runway, coming in vertically. Have you gone crazy? That's... What a great line. Marvellous. 
We do not require a runway coming in vertically. Yeah, which you said when you arrived today, I seem to recall. <laughs> I say every time I arrive anywhere. Absolutely right. <laughs> it's well known for your birthday. I've birthday. always entered vertically. <laughs> uh, I mean, I hate to say it, Scott seems like a very obvious choice, and you don't seem like a very obvious uh, chooser, perhaps. I thought you might go for Steve Zodiac. So oh, what, yeah. why does Scott come in so high on your list? Well, at number one. Uh, I, I am a tremendous admirer of Steve Zodiac. I yield to none in my uh, admiration for him. But Scott was the one... Uh, uh, Thunderbirds hit me at exactly the right time. And I, I took all the characters very seriously. Uh, the annuals came out. I can't remember what the order was. but And TV21 had been... Uh, previewing Thunderbirds before it came around. So I was kind of really clued into Thunderbirds as, a, as an experience. Scott has got this wonderful, I mean, for a start, he's got Shane Rimmer's voice, so you really can't get any better than that. And he's such a good actor. And the puppet, it acts so well. <laughs> you get this real feeling of strength and bravery and calm, a lot of all those things happening at once. And uh, the biggest, one of the biggest thrills to me in my later life was, <laughs> this shows you I don't get out much, uh, but um, was arriving at a, an Anderson convention uh, and I just parked and a car pulled up behind me and someone said, uh, are there any more park, car park spaces that you can see? And it, I knew who it was before I turned round. It was Shane Rimmer. And I just thought, that's just made my life, that has. You know, are there any car parking spaces? Fantastic. And um, he was a delight to know, and Sheila, his lovely wife. Um, yeah, Scott, for me, was a proper hero. Uh, and I, I loved all the rest of the boys. Uh, Willow, obviously, I should have chosen John, but there you go. Um, but... Uh, Scott was the guy who had to keep everything in order, and I love Thunderbird One as well. I, I I can't choose between the I can't choose between any of them really, but Thunderbird One is so exciting just seeing it land every time and the mystery of how he got in and out of it, latterly solved by people like Graham Bleithman. Um, uh, but you know, for for years a mystery to me. How does he jump? Does he jump out of it? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Does it matter? No, no, no. And you can you can make up your own versions of it. Exactly. Which clearly I have. H however he gets out, it'll be done heroically. Heroically and with a stoic look on his face. Absolutely. But there's another thing about Scott is he doesn't mess about. Um, if you happen to be someone just taking photographs of, you know, instantly taking photographs of Thunderbird 1 or anything to do with the Thunderbirds, uh, he will come after you with a machine gun, a machine cannon, actually. Yes and blow you to bits. Totally reasonable response. Totally within the international rescue <coughs> uh, parameters, I think. Yes, because they're so busy trying to help. I'm so choked with emotion, I'm going to have to have a drink now. <laughs> well, speaking of being choked with emotion, <coughs> oh, yes. uh, obviously, I, I mean, I would be more of a, a Virgil man. Oh. Because, no, I to me, Scott races there and then says, come on, Virgil, hurry up and do the work. Yeah. And Virgil was, a, you know, an artist and a musician. That's a, true. A cocktail maker, yeah. an accomplished cocktail drinker, I believe. Oh, yeah. No, that's uh, right. And, and Scott just sort of felt like the, the, the loud guy who would tell everybody what to do. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, in the wake of making the documentary, uh, A Life Uncharted, and learning more about Dad's brother Lionel, 
and how Scott was the, the template, really, we oh, think, for Lionel. I just wondered if that kind of yeah. added a certain something for, for you, knowing that your favourite Anderson character was based on someone who meant so much to the, the creator of that character. Well, I think it comes across. Uh, I would never have known that, obviously, without them. But, you can, but when you know that, you can see it's pretty obvious that, that this is a... He's definitely the fixed point. I know, obviously, Jeff controls it and Lady Penelope is off to one side. All these, but really, it all revolves around Scott. Uh, and um, he doesn't do much, obviously. He kills people occasionally if they get take photographs. Um, but... I really think that Scott has got a kind of... And, of course, he's based slightly on uh, Sean Connery as well, so that's another thing, because I was a big Bond fan, still am. Um, so there was lots of appeal to me. Uh, I was very worried when I went to see the Thunderbirds movies, though, and they, they changed him. Mm. I think they did in the series, but I didn't quite notice that as much. Um, he had a different head. I, I found that... A, Felt a little betrayed then. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Original Scott, Series One Scott only. Uh, series One Scott. Um, you've talked about the kind of uh, the personalities of the, the the puppet characters. So much was conveyed conveyed by the the voice, a lot by the the look, obviously, but the performance mm. and so many other elements. So when you come to do something like the Thunderbirds comics in the in the two thousands for Redan. It's the same issue that we come up against with doing Thunderbirds audio dramas. Mm -hmm. So much is suddenly missing from the complete picture yeah. people are used to. Yeah. What do you do when drawing a comic for something like Thunderbirds to try to convey all those things? It could not, it just could be uh, what other, others have done in the past and what you've drawn on and what you do personally, but how do you put the missing elements of Thunderbirds from screen to comic? I see, and that's, one, that's a really interesting point and something I've never thought about. Uh, that's a bit worrying as the person no, no, drawing no. them, Lee. Because, uh, because it's a natural instinct to use uh, body language and, um, and the kind of expressions that, of course, you know, the puppets have got two, maybe three expressions, mm. um, depending on which heads they've got on. Um, but I, th I think that, for me, the, the, the characters are in my head and I draw them as well as I can to express what they're doing right now. Uh, and it, it doesn't matter if it's Thunderbirds or um, I'm currently drawing David Tennant. I kind of know what they look like and what they might be doing facially or what their body language is. That's harder with puppets, obviously, because mm. body language isn't really in it. Having said that, and nothing to do with me, but the, uh, the actual acting of the puppets, the marionation, super marionation, is just fantastic. I, I, I've seen, I was lucky enough to see the, uh, the uh, Stephen Lerivier's uh, new episodes of uh, Thunderbirds being made, um, and it reinforced me how incredibly skilled the puppeteers must have been, and the camera operators, and the lighting, mm. and all that stuff, because until you see it in action, uh, you, it's hard to grasp that the, the character's head is no bigger than my fist, probably slightly smaller, yeah. and the camera has to go right in on it. The lighting has to be overwhelmingly bright yes. uh, to get the depth of focus, <clears throat> and the cameras have to move along with the puppets and do all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's an extraordinary testament to how good they are because I sat down with some friends of mine. We're all the same age. We watched Thunderbirds, the first episode, uh, 
at Christmas one year, just for a laugh, really. Um, and we just sat there and watched the whole thing. And that included my wife, who really hasn't got any time for this kind of stuff at all. Um, <clears throat> not even, I mean, she's got, she's slightly nostalgic about these things, but like that much. Uh, but we actually sat and watched the whole thing. And the, if you didn't have good acting in it, mm. obviously the voices, but the actual puppets themselves work really well. And there's so much goes on. So when you come back to drawing that stuff, you kind of only have to think of them as being humans, really. <clears throat> In the past, Frank Bellamy was a great Thunderbirds artist, uh, and he it, it used to, I used to worry about it a little bit because he would draw, he would draw them pointing, like Scott would kind of point, and his hands would be in extremely exaggerated positions. I've tried to do that, and it looks like rubbish. Uh, but uh, Frank was a great artist and could get away with it, you know, and that expressiveness. Uh, was something that worried me as a kid because I just thought they, they look they don't look like they're doing Thunderbirdsy kind of movements. Mm. Now, of course, I look at it and think these are great works of art. Yeah, I was talking rubbish from my ignorant point of view. But it's, it's each artist has their own way of conveying those elements to make it work on the page. Oh yes, everybody who's attempted it. Uh, the one that amuses me a lot is Ron Turner. Ron Turner's a fantastic artist, very stylized. Uh, did the last half of the Dalek uh, stories in TV 21. Uh, <clears throat> he also drew Thunderbirds occasionally. And he, he made every human he ever draw, drew look a bit like a Thunderbirds puppet. In their proportions, the heads were always slightly too big for their bodies. Uh, most artists deliberately draw heads smaller than they really are because it just looks more, I don't know, sexy or something. But, the, but so there's these slightly infantile uh, characters in, in Ron's work. He was a genius. I'm saying this, I'm not fit to walk into the same room as him, especially not now he's dead. But, I, he's a, a, but he was a fantastic artist, but that, wasn't, that was something that I always tried to avoid, is I wanted to make them look as real as possible, but not, not unlike their uh, likenesses. And yeah. it's a bit of a struggle where you try and get a happy medium. Yeah. Well. I'm sure lots of Redown readers from the 2000s and many of others, other iterations of your stuff will be very satisfied, more than satisfied with your representation. Let's hope so. Because they're always lovely. Uh, now, I know how much you enjoyed uh, sniffing oh, yes. Zelda last week. Yeah. Uh, and it is Big thrill. now time, hopefully for the last time on, our, on this new version of the podcast where we have to delve into Zelda's mind and fingers crossed uh, my other container which I've ordered, Richard, will be here next week. Uh, so Lee, would you like to delve back into Zelda's mind for our viewer listener questions? Pick her brains for another question. Yep, she's thrilled about that. Jonathan Westall uh, writes... This is like being on points of view. How wonderful. After reading the Fireball XL5 comic you did for the 60th anniversary comic anthology, will there be another crossover comic like that in the future? Well. Well, I can currently answer that, which is no. no. <laughs> okay. Because that was a, is that it? That was a unique, <laughs> a unique one where we, we managed to find a way to do it. Yes. We're not currently able to do those no. type of things. We got away with it, viewers. But it was fun. Mm, it was wonderful. It was really fun. I, I can't... I, this is the only time I've ever written a script for anything. And uh, again, I have to thank you for allowing me to do that. Uh, but it was the most fun because suddenly you, it's a bit like finding all these toys in the toy box. 
I can do all kinds of stuff with this. Um, and it was really hard to pare it back. I, I, I think I could have done about 56 pages, not just the 16 or whatever we managed in the finish. Um, no, sadly, we can't do that in the future. For now? For now, until we've uh, done some other things. Absolutely. Which we might do. There'll be some other things, probably. But yes, I've got somewhere on my phone, I've got a great picture of Lee when he was doing the, the initial drawing for uh, the Fireball crossover. Oh, yeah. And he had his Fireball toy and his Thunderbird 3 toy mashed together. He's like, I'm going to do this in the panel. And he actually did. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was a really lovely thing. Um, next question from the mind of Zelda, please. It's a particularly lovely being backlit by the lights here. It looks like you're really going to someone's body. Emma Nichols. Hello, Emma. What is the longest comic strip you ever did? <laughs> it seemed to go on forever. And, uh, uh, and has it broken any records? Well, uh, actually, I did take part in something I think was called the longest comic strip in the world. You? Yes. How convenient for this question. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, it's almost as if they knew. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what it really... I saw it a couple of weeks ago, actually. Somebody had a copy. Uh, I don't own a copy myself, though, because that's the way things are. Um, but, yeah, we all loads and loads of artists were all asked to do one or two panels uh, for this extremely long comic strip, uh, and um, I did that. So that... It probably did break a record at the time. I think it's probably been superseded since. Oh. But, yes, I have, and, yes, it did. Amazing. Very impressive. It was. Record-breaking Lee Sullivan. Record-breaking, yes. I smashed a few in my time, I can tell you. <laughs> Roger Morgan, does Lee worry that AI could replace him as AI has already been used for book covers, album sleeves and artwork? As an artist, I am very worried. <laughs> so you should be, Roger. We're all doomed. Um, uh, no. Yes and no, because it's a bit like Photoshop. Uh, Photoshop came in, it did put a lot of traditional painting artists out of cover work. There's no doubt about that. So you do have to watch out for this stuff. Um, I got onto Photoshop, uh, which is now seems like old hat, but it was the first part of di working digitally. I now work almost entirely digitally um, uh, using a thing called Manga Studio, which is now called Clip studio art or something like that um, and that uh, so I ink using that I use my iPad for uh, doing roughs but the thing is AI is a different kettle of fish because it means that you can construct things it's got great advantages for some people that you can magic together something very fast to show what you might a concept art particularly it's probably very very good for that yeah. uh, I personally think it will be a while before comic strips are particularly affected that way. It's still drawing three hands where there should be two or 25 fingers on a hand because it finds it hard to determine what's unique to a particular character. That is a matter of time before that gets sorted out. But the storytelling is very, very much more complicated. Um, and I think that will be the kind of solutions I have to come up with on a regular basis for comic strips are ones that I think only humans can come up with properly at the moment. I'm not saying they can't do it, but, but there they are. So, yes, we, we should be worried about it, and, but you should also think, OK, there's a tool I can use. Yeah. But also, uh, it depends on the people you're working for. Um, I know that uh, 
that big finish uh, have recently addressed this issue um, and they now have a uh, clause where they don't want to uh, um, anyone to use AI unless it's passed you know, for, a, for a very specific terms, reason, yeah. a, a very specific reason, um, and I think that's a good thing. It, 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 and it was because pushback from fans; they didn't like it. So, understandably, it's an interesting subject. It is, but um, it's you know, at some point, someone's going to be able to type in, do this panel in the style of Lee Sullivan, and good luck to him. <laughs> I'll be dead by then. No. Well, I'm planning on retiring anyway. So. Well, not yet, hopefully. Okay. Ah, Anthony Zatner again. Your Anderson Heroes and Villains Rogues Galleries are a thing of beauty. They are indeed. Oh, how kind, how kind. Are there plans for any more? Well, what do you think, Jamie? We talked about doing these, we didn't we? Because we wanted to do a, a sort of, have a whole collection of characters all in your style. Mm. Um, but you've been too busy doing I know. Doctor Blooming yeah, Who, haven't and you? And Doctor Who came along and made that all very difficult. I think what we should do is make... Uh, bookmarks out of them and so you can have like just one character bookmarks and the final question from the mind of Zelda oh. before we never see her again bye Zelda <laughs> Alex pass or could be pass I suppose pass it's pass. big it's big Al isn't it it's big Al hello big Al oh big Al hello big Al he's he's done some truly epic work for Anderson and Doctor Who is there another show or franchise that he'd love to take a crack at um, no. Really? I know, that's terrible, isn't it? Uh, did you ever do Star Trek, Lee? I did try to do Star Trek once. I did a sample page for, I think it was for DC Comics. They were looking around for people and I was looking around for work. And I did a, what turned out to be quite a nice sample page and it was ignored. Uh, so, but, uh, but to counter that, um, I got the better part of the deal because I worked for William Shatner on William Shatner's tech world. So for two years I worked for Captain Kirk uh, and I got to meet him. I went over to um, Toronto with the writer Evan Skolnick, who we were working on the project at the time. And uh, my favourite moment was he, he rang me up while I was out. And so I came home uh, to find an answering machine message which said, Lee. I missed you. Ah, I'm calling you from New York. This is Bill Shatner. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about your work. And so he said, I'll call you back. Okay, so for two weeks I stayed by the telephone, <laughs> ignoring toilet calls, ignoring food. Eventually we ran out of groceries, so I went to the shops again and I came back and there was another answer machine message. Lee! I missed you again. And uh, anyway, eventually he, he half-heartedly said, if you're, we're filming Tech World, Tech War, in, uh, in Toronto. So if you'd like to, uh, if you're passing, <laughs> drop by and, and we'll sink a few. Well, you don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> so as I'm never passing there, I, I, we hastily arranged a tour of comic books in shops in America and we went to. Uh, Toronto and we saw some of it being made and Bill directing and we got to hang around with him for a couple of days and that, that. so although I haven't drawn Star Trek the trouble is with drawing Star Trek is there is so much you'd have to know you'd have to reference 
more than I know, and that's a reasonable amount, but you know, you soon find out that everybody knows more than about this stuff than I do. I remember going to a Doctor Who convention, a Star Trek convention actually, for the first time and thinking, I know all about Star Trek. And I had a conversation with someone in the turbo lift uh, of this hotel and um, realised I knew nothing about it. I didn't know all the registrations of the ships. Oh. I knew the Enterprise, surely that's enough, you know. But no. And I, I realised then that it, it, you have to be careful with franchises. You have to know as much as the most dedicated fan knows. And I really felt that doing the fireball thing because I thought I've got to really be careful what I do here, make sure this is why I sent, oh, I didn't send, but you, you passed it around to get you know, experts to check on this stuff. Uh, and, um, and it didn't contradict things too badly. But there is a huge weight of, um, of expectation if you're doing that sort of stuff. And actually, I'm kind of glad I didn't do it in the finish. But, you know. Nice, nice to get the inv invite from uh, Bill Shatner, though. Uh, well, to, to try and make you feel better, then, yes. is, is there an Anderson property in particular that you haven't yet really tackled? I know with the Fireball one, you, you tackled a few, mm. but is there is there one that you haven't tackled to date but you'd really love to? I, I'm guessing Space 1999 is not on the list. I don't know how you get that impression. Because <laughs> the amount you moaned when you did the uh, jigsaw puzzle. You see, now you give it all away. Yeah, but they uh, all know that already. No, no, no. Uh, um, uh, Space 1999 was too late for me. I had I had passed beyond the event horizon as far as, uh, as Space 1999. UFO, on the other hand, I was absolutely. Uh, uh, I would love to do. I'd love to do a comic strip in the style of Brian Lewis, who did the wonderful Supercar mm -hmm. book, and also did one or two uh, UFOs for um, Countdown. Uh, because I just love his style. I, I wish I could draw like him. If there's anyone I could really, yeah, I wish I had his talent. Um, and uh, maybe UFO, because I could get to draw the girls. All those lovely wigs, you know, not just the girls, but everybody else in the thing wears a wig. You know, that's a good thing. It'd be, it'd be a challenge to make them look like wigs and hair at the same time, <laughs> uh, which they obviously didn't manage on the show. But. Uh, the other thing would be to do a really nice version of Stingray uh, or Supercar, but you know, yeah, all of them really. So when I said one show, when you said one show, I you ignored to... that. Is there a show you'd like me to? Well, it's no, no. Stingray is fine. Uh, you've done a few other bits and pieces, um, including some panels for First Action Bureau. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, for us, as well as the the heroes and villains thing, and all of your Anderson character, Anderson work seems to tie together beautifully, whether it's based on a 1962 show or whether it's based on uh, a 2020 idea. There's, there's a way in which you, you've been able to deliver a shared DNA between those things. How, how do you do that? How do you go about connecting things up? What, do you, what are you drawing upon when drawing upon these ideas? Uh. That's a really interesting question. This is why I like interviews, because you never know what you're going to say next. Uh, and I have no idea what I'm going to say next now. Excellent. But here it comes. Um, I think the point is, it all goes through the same processor. So it's all the thing that's mm. up here. Um, I see them in a certain way, and I have a very limited range of, of drawing techniques. Although I can copy other people's work when I have to, but. I don't know what my style is. 
I really don't. I don't. People can say to me, oh, yeah, that looks like a piece of your work. And I have no idea why it looks like that, what it is that that, that really refers to. You can't see it with your own eyes. But I think that as you think through what you're doing, I try and make them all look as if they're humans, <laughs> which I suppose is the least of my job, I suppose. I should try and make them look like humans. But I, it was really interesting doing those uh, Heroes and Villas because it mixed very different styles. I mean, Master Spy is the most grotesque human being ever, apart from Mike Mercury. Uh, Mike is this great hero and just looks... You wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley because mm. he's just so strange looking. Um, but to actually put those next to the more heroic types, sculpting-wise, and then actually with people like Ed Bishop and, uh, and um, Martin Landau uh, and Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed! Uh, it, that was kind of a bit of a struggle. I had to slim down Master Spy yeah, by lot. about 35 stone, mm. and he still looked huge. You know? um, but I don't know, it's interesting. I think it just all goes through the same process, same brain, same eyes, same hands, yeah. really. That's just got all that stuff to draw on, and therefore, together. yeah. It's, lovely. it's amazing that you've got such a fantastic Anderson repository up there. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people have said that to me, and I... I still am amused. It by explains it. the way you're sitting. Uh, now, I think I don't think there's anything else that we need to do well, in this chat. Not. Is yeah. there? Jamie, remember the, the end, the game at the end. I don't think we need to do that. Do we mute or recruit? I do. But we spoke about it. You said you'd do it. Lee Sullivan. Last week, Ellie, our lovely guest. She was magnificent. She was magnificent, and I still feel her presence now. Me too, actually. Yeah, but uh, maybe that's the cards. She drew from a deck of cards very specially created by producer Richard James. Or oh, lovingly, I would imagine. For a game we liked, he likes to call, Cute, Mute or Recruit. Yes. Now, Ellie drew three characters from the, the deck at random and you must now choose which of these you're going to do those things to. Okay, are you going to reveal them to me now? I am, I am, but the, the, the setup is essentially that you're, you're building your own international rescue type organisation, okay. you get three new followers on Twitter because you're there all the time, and uh, you get to pick one of these to recruit, one to mute on social media, and one that you're like, oh, they're, they're sort of cute. It doesn't okay. have to be uh, sinister. It could just be... doesn't have to be. No. Can it be sinister? So, Lee Sullivan, are you ready with your characters? I am ready and waiting, Jamie. They are. Present them to me now. Captain Scarlet. Oh. Zelda from Terrorhawks. <laughs> And Professor Bergman. Ooh! Moonbase Alpha. Okay. So you've got a cute, a mute, and a recruit here. You see, none of those are Gabrielle Drake, are they? Not quite, no. no. I would say Zelda is the anti-Gabrielle Drake. Yes. Ah, oh, well, now, this is so hard. Um, okay, so cute, I think it has to be Captain Scarlet. Okay. Because he's so we, very pretty. And he reminds me of Roger Moore. Roger Moore uh, sort of look. I know Roger Moore thought he was based on... Uh, Captain Scarlet was based on him, possibly erroneously. Uh, okay, cute. So you get, you've got to mute one of these and recruit one of these. Well, yeah. Are you, well, are you going to go for somebody dangerous and evil or somebody who might help you think out of uh, any situation? Uh, I would go for uh, um, the professor. You're going to recruit him or mute him? I'm going to recruit him. So you have recruited Professor Bergman to your yeah. secret organisation. 
Very good. Good. Well, you'll disappear after a while, anyway. But exactly. Just halfway through, he'll vanish. Uh, now, you must pick three, uh, for some reason, you oh, must pick yes. three cards for our next guest. So, don't, without revealing them, ah. would you please pick three cards at random, keeping them face down. Okay. And we will allow next week's two. person to choose. Mm. Yeah, oh, oh, the tension's building here. Oh. Very good. So we have our stack of three for next time. For this game that will go on forever. It certainly seems like it's going on forever, doesn't it's it? It's an interesting format point. Anyway, uh, Lee, I've so enjoyed our chat as always, uh, and our lovely lunch we had as well. Oh. One and a half One and lunches. And a half lunches. Mm. Yes. Well, that's for another another time. Uh, just as a reminder for those that want to find you online, or even at events, if you're coming to local kind of conventions or anything that you've got booked, where can people meet you in person and or online? I think I'm going to be, I haven't been asked yet, but it was talked about. I think I'm going to be at LFCC, London Film and Comic Con in the winter. Mm -hmm. I'm going to miss, well, I missed, or I'm going to miss the summer one. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, that's my only gig that I think I have lined up. Um, and online, I'm on my website, which is Lee Sullivan Art. .co.uk and I'm also on Facebook as Lee Sullivan and Lee Sullivan Art. I prefer the Lee Sullivan one where I'm sitting there with my fluffy dog um, uh, because that's the one I look at. I ignore everything else, so Brilliant. don't bother. So don't bother anywhere else. <laughs> Lee, thank you very much. We've had a lovely chat. It's great to have you and see you in another 250 pods. Oh, I'm looking forward to it immensely. Cheers. <laughs> Dear old Lee. And there he goes. Finally, we've got rid of him. I know. Should we open some windows? Hopefully no, he's gone. smell with him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, no, it's so nice to, to have him. I mean, you can just tell, like, the, the kind of the passion for Anderson just oozes out of him. Yeah. Well, that's an unpleasant term, but sure. you know what Hence I mean. the covering on the sofa. Exactly, but yeah. everything, he's, he, he, everything he does is so influenced by all those things that he, he grew up loving, mm. from Supercar to XL5 to Stingray, all the TV21 comics and beyond, and now it's kind of come full circle, and it's so nice to have him here. Great. So thank you, Lee. Uh, perhaps we'll see you back again for pod uh, 528. I, I have no doubt whatsoever Good. that that will happen. Great. Uh, yeah, uh, another guest next week, of course, so join us then. But in the meantime, uh, people have been commenting on our YouTube channel beneath a recent fab fact about oh. Captain Black being red. Ah. Do you remember that one? I remember it well. Brief summary, please, if you will. Uh, there was a professor at the University of Leicester who was a sort of world politics uh, expert. Briefer than that. And he wrote stuff that was Anderson-related. OK. Right. Well, uh, John William Novak, uh, I think that is, or Nowak, says, there's always been this claim floating around about how antagonists from various horror or SF franchises are secret stand-ins for whoever was the national threat at the time. Mm. Uh, I'm very dubious of such claims. Most are based on nothing more than the fact that the characters are antagonists. Mm. I think that's fair, fair comment, isn't it? it it is, but if you listen to them talk about how they came up with ideas, mm. so often ideas came up from worries of the day. You know, UFO, around the time they were developing UFO, uh, there was yeah. lots of talk about organ transplants and what effect that might have on people and how it might change them. So having organs removed is a big fear, and that become some, became something that was built into UFO. That's what the aliens were doing. They were harvesting organs. Yeah. And they've definitely mentioned in the past, lots of them, that the kind of the Cold War feelings of that time, of that period, were a massive influence in how the shows were set up. So yeah. I, I don't think it's just yeah. conjecture. It's yeah. it's it's true because they were growing, they were working in that world. It's obvious it's going to permeate creativity, don't you think? Yes, I think so. I think uh, all creatives are magpies, really, aren't they? And they look around yeah. at the world about them and uh, just blooming thieves. They're thieves. 
That's right. Uh, there's one from Vanished One there for you, Jamie. Oh, Vanished One says, I looked up the paper mm. uh, that's mentioned in the Fab Fact, and Jerry Anderson is actually in the acknowledgements. Ah. It reads, the author wishes to thank Jerry Anderson for his generous cooperation with this piece of research. Oh. Uh, and members of the audience who responded to the public interview with Anderson at the 20th I-A-M-H-I-S-T, uh-huh. perhaps I am hist, yes. uh, Congress in Leicester. Ah. The author, like all researchers into Anderson's work, owes a debt to Chris Bentley, former podcast guest, he didn't uh, say that, no. uh, and the work of the Anderson organisation. Nice. Isn't that nice? Excellent. Gosh, when he went to that Congress in Leicester, you don't think he fell over and bumped his head and woke up in a parallel journey. <laughs> and dreamt the whole thing. <gasps> let's, let's stop doing this let's weird uh, Inception thing. Yeah. Uh, Ian Dealey says, I don't think that Captain Black was a communist. He was just a badass misteron. Okay, well, that's an interesting word. Uh, yeah, and that's just, you know, take it as you see it. Um, it that's fair. But I, I think the final word yeah. goes to Vince... Vincent Thalas. Okay. Vincent Thalas. Okay. Yeah, that probably makes more sense, I think, because Vincent's so, a name. Yeah. Anyway, Vincent... Uh, very goes into great depth here in terms ah. of whether he thinks this is correct or not. Okay, uh, and he comments as follows: No. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That's, yep. Thanks for taking the time to make that comment. Thank you. Just Vincent. as valid. Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. I enjoyed that very much. Excellent. Very good. Uh, so you can find lots to watch uh, on the YouTube channel. Of course, uh, give us the address, Jamie. YouTube.com. Slash Jerry Anderson TV. Well done. Uh, there's uh, episodes, there's primers, there's interviews, there's podcasts and fab facts. Documentaries. Documentaries, yeah, it's all there. Random trailers, random oh. clips, adverts from for Tenants Pilsner. Extraordinary. There you go. Uh, yes, all to be found on our YouTube channel. Uh, now, it's that time where the lovely Chris Dale welcomes the not-so-lovely Lee Sullivan back to press his big red button for the final time of the randomizer. Oh, OK, but because it's Lee, I bet it'll be a good one. Should we find out? I wonder if you can press it in my favour, perhaps. Mm, let's, let's see. see. Over to you, Chris, and Lee. Right, come on, come on, come on, come on. Chop, chop, chop. We're on the clock here. Right. Which button this time? Button. Let's try that one. Oh. Oh, made a click noise there. That's there. Anything you're hoping for today, after last week's debacle? I'm hoping for a touch more Robert Vaughan. You're obsessed. Well, the episode title is now up there, and it looks like we've got some Terror Hawks today with... Ah, child's play. That's much better. You've learned your lesson from last week, I think. Thank you very much. You may go. It's Terror Hawks. It's child's play, the uh, second episode of the show's second production block. And I find this a really interesting episode to talk about because, you know, last week's episode, oh, in Terror Hawks terms, was two for the price of one, the introduction of its star. They changed the status quo forever. And it's nice to have an episode that immediately follows on from that. We actually establish who this character is because it star turned up very late at the, the end of that episode. And here we establish for the first time going off and playing. For it star means go and torment Uncle Youngstar. At his favourite time of the day, mealtime. Don't touch my bowl of granite crunchies. No, don't touch that. What is it? <laughs> A bomb. Bang! And it's unfortunate that this episode was, said, considering it, it more or less directly follows on from, from Two for the Price of One, I think this episode was then yes, shown sir. like halfway through the third season. But that's interesting as well. I, I always wonder to what extent Burlgoy and Goybel are capable of interacting. And you get the sense there that Goybel is kind of scared of her other self. 
another of his tricks. I also like as well that young star, you know, although he's always going to have his day ruined by Burl Goy, he still genuinely seems to love Goy Burl. Um, he will always look out for her. How does that grab you, Bonhead? Even when Burl Goy is about to uh, blow him up. And it's, it's a very nice way to shake up the, the character dynamics. What was that noise? Now I'll teach you. <laughs> What's going oh, on in here? Oh, 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 he almost blew me to pieces. And as much as I feel for, for poor young star at times like this, I do much prefer having it star there. I know some people aren't too keen on the character, <laughs> but it's moments like that that just sell it. Uh, young star having to cope with it, it starts switching back and forth and clearly reveling in the, the chaos that he's causing, or they're causing. And the fact that Zelda is just, for the TV series at least, always, always supports its star. What is it, my clever one? Even when, I think at this moment, he, he outsmarts her. I've come up with a super derivative of tri-nitrotoluol. Of what? <laughs> a TNT, like boom. Oh, that's his favourite word for the episode. Yeah, I, I feel that by you know 26 episodes in, the scenes on Mars were getting a bit samey, sort of, you know, victory will be ours, and then everybody laughs. Uh, and granted, there is still a lot of laughing with, with its star there, but it shakes things up a bit. And here we are at one of my favourite places in the Terrorhawks universe, uh, next to the Golden Lay Saloon, uh, which we shall not go into. It's Sheriff Bull's office. This here is Sheriff Bull. Yeah. Speak to me, With somebody. his telephone and his diplomas on the wall, which I own Roy? and treasure. You hear me, boy? And this is, um, is the first time the sheriff has appeared since... Don't look like no big explosive bomb to me! ...since Gunfighter Oki's Corral. And although in that episode we heard Kilroy, we never actually saw him until now. So I find it really this interesting that they, they saved Where the Sheriff Bull puppet for so long. Because uh, I, I think that some of the, the puppets would have been skinned, what? essentially, and, and reused for other characters. But they kept Didn't Bull. No big deal to me. And I, I just wonder if they, they saw how he was in that first episode and thought, ah, we need to earmark that character for future appearances. And bring in Kilroy's a physical well, presence. By the computerized old weather timepiece on my wrist, I still have 15 minutes. And they're both, for, for, for human characters in this show, they're quite nice designs, they're quite appealing. And, you know, the more comedic characters this show can have, the better. <laughs> Kilroy, speak to me, boy. This is just one of my favourite scenes of the Ooh, whole series. What an explosion that was! Explosion! I mean, horrendous! Where are you at? Me? I'm four, maybe five feet up this here tree. Oh, I love it. When you get out of plaster, Kilroy... <laughs> Again, the, the reaction from the Sheriff Bull Puppet there is, is quite something. Get yourself a new watch. And a new job. Aww. Get me watching Phone time. Phone time. urgent. Like sometime today. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it was Tony Barwick who decided that they should bring this character back, or if there was just a general feeling that they put so much work into the studio. Not the studio. This is the studio where we are now and where we are now. The sheriff's office, I mean, and the associated puppets and, and bric-a-brac. But speaking of studios, and speaking of 
moments that I love in the show, always nice to get a Kate Kestrel song. I never understand why she re-records and re-records the same songs that she's already recorded multiple times, but it's... I've never found this distracting. I know, again, a lot of people did with Terror Hawks, especially when it was first on. Having to stop pretty much every week for Kate to sing a song. But it's worth it for, for the sight of Stu bobbing around. I also like the, the puppetry on Kate there. You don't often get the sense that she's holding the mic stand. But in this one, she is. And who's this come to interrupt the fun? It's Colonel Johnson. Can I help you? Uh, sorry, no, you're not allowed in here. No, sorry, look, you'll have to leave. IRS. I beg your pardon, what? <laughs> Kate's still dancing with IRS. no music. Income tax. You get my meaning. Oh, oh you mean... Oh, the IRS. Oh, yeah, okay, uh, Mr. King. Uh, Miss Kestrel, can you uh, just hold a minute, please? Hold it, hold it. Hold it, everyone, hold it. And I've often wondered... What's happening? As a lot of people have. What puppet is Chick King? And in the uh, SOS music video, they put the, uh, Colonel Johnson up there. The IRS. Take care of it, Stu. <laughs> I got some things to sort out in a hurry, Stu. Uh, documents I suddenly need to get rid of. Yeah, I always wondered if that is the the Colonel Johnson puppet up in the the, the booth. So this is kind of an in-joke of having this puppet that also plays King down on the, the recording studio floor. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, Miss Kestrel! You want to talk to me? In private, right away. Ah, oh, yes. Colonel Johnson and his massively big glasses. I've never noticed how big those were before. me, Johnson? It was quicker than setting up a meeting with Dr. Neinstein. It's a different way of doing things uh, other than the usual way I turn up in these stories in a remote ranch house. The authorities were warned place and time of detonation. What's the connection with <laughs> I like the little the um, Badwater County music riff there. When our experts went in, they were able to establish the device was alien. Ooh. Zelda? An hour ago, we received another warning. Time and place. Hmm. Hudson? Yes, ma'am. So shades of Captain I Scarlet here. The Terror Hawks are getting threats from Mars uh, regarding Great what's going on. 057282. How much time do we have? A little over ten hours. Mm. We'll get back to you, Kate. Ten ten. Launch the Battle Hawk. This is a ten fifty. And a nice nighttime launch sequence. I believe this is reused from uh, Ten Top Pop. That might have been the first time we saw the nighttime launch sequence. And part of me thinks it actually looks better under cover of darkness. Uh, granted, we didn't get a full launch sequence there, but. Something about the house at night is, is quite impressive. Two hours, 30 minutes. What will be the local time? Also oh, notable for this episode, and I don't know if he wasn't around or there just wasn't much call for him, but as I remember, Zero has almost no dialogue in this episode. Anywho, we find Itstar in an abandoned ranch house, and I love here, and I don't think it was quite visible on DVD, but it is now on, on HD and Blu-ray, the table he's sitting in front of is covered in dust, and in the dust he's just written boom with his finger. It just shows the, the single-mindedness of the character. Can you plant some exactly that I told you? Yes, yes. 
Why did I do all the work? <laughs> the young star is covered in sand and dust. I am the brain. Oh. How do you Which one of us is the beauty? Will come. Oh, that's sister. I obviously. would not sit down if I were you. Oh, what's wrong with the chair? It's wired up to 4,000 volts. You little horror! <laughs> Again, more contented bobbing from its star there. The chair is fine. Sit down. And it's an it's a new level of villainy for for this show. Um, this talk of applied psychology and of understanding the mentality of your opponent, which doesn't really always come across with with Zelda's regular plans. And I kind of wish they'd sustained this for longer than they did, because it feels like its star kind of disappears halfway through the season. Yes, Uncle Youngstar. Boom! You get it? You have to spell it out in more dust. Boom! <laughs> and these two also make a lovely team. Uh, I, I think previously, if you look at um, episodes where Youngstar goes to Earth, either he's paired with Yuri, or it's just an assortment of cubes. Giving him someone... That's it. Oh, very early graphics there. Um, yeah, but pa partnering him up with someone who is far his intellectual superior. Again, it just shakes up the, the dynamic of, of the show. Because I don't think anybody really believed for a moment that Youngstar was capable of, of leading a, an operation on his own like that. Yes, ma'am. One line for Windsor Davies there. We'll keep ta the tags on that, or track of that even, I should say. Flaming thunderbolts. So the Martians have planted a bomb. Cubic feet of gas an hour. Supplying half of South and Central America. On a very crucial part of a pipeline. Let me talk to Kate. Ah, more nice nighttime stuff. Face an emergency situation. We may need your help. We'll pick you up. Uh, what about the uh, special package I'm carrying? Hmm. Johnson. That's one way to describe him. Bring him along. He might learn something. And this is an interesting, yes. if kind of odd, well, addition to the story. Let's bring that. Johnson along. What do you say? Well, I guess all I can say is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I also find it interesting they say, oh, Kate will pick you up. We might need you. And then once she's aboard Battlehawk, I don't think you ever see her for the rest of the episode. Because, you know, she doesn't have Hawkwing to, to pilot. Uh, yeah. I don't think we see her again after this point. Oh, there she is, proves me wrong. But yeah, we don't see her after Hudson boards, um, boards Battlehawk. But this is all nice nighttime stuff. Again, I think this will have to have been shot for this episode. Stand by for liftoff. Ready for liftoff. And considering we don't see much of it, that was quite a, a nice detailed uh, model for the rear cargo bay. Also some nice weight on Battlehawk as a model here as well. It's maybe slightly too dark to see what's going on, but... It's a blank piece of paper. Well done, my uncle. Yes, this is another of It Star's amazing creations. Oh, let me see that. And it's very in keeping with Young Star. It's a blank piece of paper again. <laughs> to be flummoxed by a blank piece of paper. How does it work? 
By Super Macrotronics. Ah. But don't worry, your pretty little head about that, man. So there we go, the same puppetry technique used to <laughs> operate these characters, Super Macromation, uh, also creates uh, digital maps on paper. Oh. Star looked awfully pleased with himself then. I was right. I get a cookie. We'll go in, in Terrahawk. Okay. We may as well get some use out of the thing. <laughs> yes, this is why Kate didn't tag along. They left her in Battlehawk. <laughs> There's Young Star performing an early version of uh, Baldrick's famous poem. And although Terrahawk isn't used very often, I don't quite understand the the necessity really to, to sort of be able to set up a vantage point like that. I do like how how heavy the thing feels with all the moving parts. Even as it was moving along, the legs were moving and the wings were extended. And the ranch house was blown to smithereens. Mm. I nearly took Kilroy with it. You! I've got 150 special training hours in Groundhawk. How long have you got? Three hours? Training time uh, come in hello, we're the audience here. What's Groundhawk? This is the first we are hearing of that vehicle. Mary. Tiger, when you lose an argument, lose with grace and dignity. And shut up. Oh, a nice moment of steel from Mary there. But yes, Groundhawk, a new vehicle. Um, an interesting design. I, th I think it certainly fits the, the look of the Terrorhawks universe. Something's coming. What is it? It will be some kind of tracked vehicle. But I think it only turns up in one more episode after this, uh, that being Space Giant. It's a nicely detailed model. Um, I kind of wish, as with the space tank, that they'd got some more use out of this. How did you know? Applied Psychology, page one. <laughs> All your enemies will use tracked vehicles to counter your evil plans. All readouts 10 zero. All negative. I'm going in closer. And this is an interesting development in the character of Mary because up to this point she's been very sort of... Well, I know from, from talking to her that Denise was never all that fond of the character because she, she found her quite boring. She was always telling people what to do and otherwise just being kind of generically pleasant. It's... It's nice I'm to see the character actually have something to do for a change. Uh, so I like this part of it. I like that she's, she has this moment of heroism. And it happens a couple more times in the, the second production block. Uh, I suspect this is partly a reuse of... And I was going to say the space tank cockpit, but it probably isn't. Anywho, Groundhawk is pulling up to so the bomb over the pipeline. Like bees around a sugar bowl. But soon, someone's going to get stuck. Ooh. <laughs> nice reaction from Youngstar there. Just a sudden shock. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I think we're coming up on a rare moment of stop motion for this show. You know what they're telling me? They're telling me this thing is a fake. Oh. An empty shell. You can hear as well that Denise is enjoying, greatly enjoying, these these more steely moments. Yeah, there's the there's the stop motion. 
That's a, a lot of effort to go for, for um, Get out of there. a very small effect. Activating the minefield that young star dug the previous night. Oh, here we go, some lovely explosions. Uh, again, it's just wonderful to have its star on board now. Now there's only one way out. Because he does feel like he's actually thought this plan through. <laughs> it's too clever. And even though Youngstar's been uh, on the receiving end of so its star's cruelty, Close. it's nice that he still occasionally gets to sort of revel in the uh, the evilness of everything. You are. And I promise you one thing. I'm gonna get you. Ooh. Fair. Tough words. What does that mean? <laughs> it means it's time to leave. We should stay and fight. You can do what you like, Dumkoff. I'm off. Oh. But before I go, so what weapons have you got I'll to fight with? You have the a shovel. You so carefully laid last night. Oh, now Groundhog is is fenced in. This is one of those occasions where Azifa somehow slipped past Spacehawk, uh, coming to Earth and going back. I don't think we even see Spacehawk. But again, you don't really need to see that. It's not a vital part of the story. This is the good stuff, though. Some kind of landmine. Mary, get out of there. What about the Groundhog? You'll have to abandon it. No. Groundhog's a prototype. I'm staying with her. And it's a nicely dramatic sequence, all this, but it does make me think, hang on, one of the things that Battlehawk is supposed to be able to do, it never does it on the show, but if you have one of the Bandai toys, there, is a, there are these sort of hooks that they use to recover a battle tank in case Battlehawk can't land. It would be handy to have something similar on Groundhawk for, for situations like this. Mary, that's an order. All right, Tiger. I've never disobeyed an order. Oh, here it goes. Tiger, malfunction on escape capsule. I'll have to drive through. Mm. Well, someone's feeling brave this week. Unfortunately, it won't last. The puppet scale cockpit set is, is really taking a beating here. She'll never make it. She'll be blown to pieces. I'd love to know the thinking that went into putting Colonel Johnson in in Terrorhawk for this episode. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's anyone's favourite character on the show. And often he's, he's kind of a bit redundant because he just turns up to tell people the plot of the week. But I enjoy having him there for this week. It's something different. And it's nice, uh, along with the It Star stuff, that the show remembers, let's keep new elements going with this. She's clear. She did it. Yay. Of course she did. She made it. Almost sound disappointed. I didn't get to prove that I was right. Yeah. A clever, devious, and evil mind. Oh, it's such a great way to establish the character. Although I don't think he actually does. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he ever goes back to Earth. You'd better believe it. Earth scum. Oh, that's a lovely sinister close-up there as well. Um, obviously, he's a fairly hideous puppet, but 
the, the child's clothing, it, it just sells the character. And of course, these two opposing personas and voices going on. Anywho, that was Child's Play. And oh, what a nice follow-on from, from the events of the previous episode, Two for the Price of One. It's, it kind of shows that Tony Barwick was really thinking about, you know, it's one thing to you know, shake up the status quo, but you kind of occasionally have to do a bit more work to get these new elements um, feeling like a, you know, an essential core part of the narrative. And I think they did it superbly there. Uh, it's a lovely, essentially an introduction to its star, which we had briefly at the end of the previous episode, but here it's just, yep, we have a new, very devious villain uh, with a lot of uh, schemes to, to deploy. And uh, I just noticed as the, the guest, oh, the uh, voice actors list went past there, yep, Windsor Davies only gave this episode one line, and it could have been lifted from anywhere else. Wonder what else he had on that day? We'll never know. Well, there you go. I'm not saying that he pulled any favours there because uh, the randomizer is random, but it random. was Terror Hawks. It was Terror Hawks. And I love a bit of Terror Hawks. You do. As you well know. Because what? it's his 40th anniversary year. <gasps> I see. Yeah. Anything happening to mark the 40th Loads anniversary? Loads of stuff. Well, like what? Tell me. Well, you have to refer back to the Jerry Anderson news of this week or previous week or next week, possibly. I see. I see. You know, because it's kind of difficult to know where we are in the, in the world yeah. in, in space-time. In other words, time. I'm talking to the wrong Jamie Anderson. Yes, you should have spoken to the one with the glasses. <laughs> this, right. Don't speak to this one. This one okay. knows nothing. A reminder for you, Jamie. Yeah. When you record the news yeah. later on at home, yeah. don't forget to wear the glasses. Yes. Otherwise, that comment will make no, no sense. No, I know, but I'm going to okay. do it. That was my whole idea. I see. Because I'm going to do the shuffling of the. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, I look forward to that. Excellent. Uh, very good. More randomizer next week, of course. It happens every week. That's the only thing about the randomizer that isn't random. Imagine if it just happened on a random week. Oh, the random randomizer. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And you'd have to be lucky to catch it. Should we introduce that? No, let's not. Let's, let's leave not it as it is. Uh, but thankfully, it is here every week, and you can catch the next randomizer on pod 268 next week. 268 next week? They're coming thick and fast, aren't they? Well, they're coming weekly. That's the other thing that's really predictable about this podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm thick, and you're fast. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Thanks for joining us this week, and, uh, well, we'll see you next time. But in the meantime, email us podcast at jerryanderson.com and tweet us at jerryandersontv or use the hashtag jerryandersonpodcast. Make all sure right. you subscribe and yeah. like and all that usual stuff. There you go. And if you're on YouTube and watching us, <gasps> then subscribe and press the little bell thing. All right. Because then when we come up with next one, Pod 268, yes. you'll get a little notification. Okay. You'll be one of the first to watch it. And maybe you'll be able to comment first. Right. And then maybe we'll give you something. No, don't reward. say that. We might do. Yeah? We might. Yeah. Okay. okay. Caveat. We might. See All you right. in 268. Bye. Bye. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. So, willy-nilly, you're mm. just giving away prizes. What did you, you call me? No, I'm saying uh, that you're just giving away prizes now for random things. Well, I just thought it would be nice. To so, so the first person to comment under the next podcast or this podcast? Under, under the next podcast. It can't be this one. So the first comment under 268, yes. which says first, oh, F-I-R-S-T, yes. and we can verify by when you commented, Yes, we will drop you a comment, you yes. email us, right. and... 
uh, will send you a small prize. <laughs> right, okay, yes. Very small. A very small. perfectly formed and yes. very... It's the thought that counts, Wearable? isn't it? Edible? Probably Readable? not. Probably not edible. Um. I can't confirm anything else because I haven't decided what it is yet. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking around the table to see if something's there. But yes, we will do. So, okay. yes, th- hit the bell and then you could be the first and then the first can get a prize. But only for 268 and we'll see how it goes. Your mission, Podstron, should you choose to accept it, is to be the first commenter underneath the next podcast. Good luck. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Bye. Bye. That was an Anderson Entertainment production.